ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد as we know we are on the banks of an incredible opportunity of the blessed month of Ramadan which we're anticipating to begin this evening we ask Allah to help us to reach this evening and to take advantage of this golden opportunity as best we can amin rabbil alamin when we look at different places in the Quran and we look at how Allah describes different things and the different terminology the different words that Allah may use specifically or may not use specifically in different places all of it is incredibly precise every single word that we find in the Quran is there for a reason and if there's something that's not there it's also not going to be there for a reason a basic example of this is when you look at Surah Luqman when Allah Azza wa Jal is quoting this advice that Luqman is giving to his son you find the absence of something and there's wisdom in the absence of a term that you would expect in Surah Al-Ankabut Allah says wa wasayna al-insana biwalidayhi husna you have the term husna Allah says be good to your parents in Surah Al-Ahqaf, Allah says, وَوَصَيْنَ الْإِنسَانَ بِوَالِدَيْهِ إِحْسَانَ The same concept, be good to your parents, have ihsan with your parents. In Surah Al-Isra, Allah says, وَقَضَى رَبُّكَ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّا وَبِالْوَالِدَيْهِ إِحْسَانَ You find this concept of ihsan in connection with these different ayat, and all of that is there for a reason. But then when you look at this ayah in Surah Luqman, Allah says, وَوَصَّيْنَ الْإِنسَانَ بِوَالِدَيْهِ حَمَلَتْهُ أُمُّهُ وَهْنًا عَلَى وَهْنًا وَفِصَالُهُ فِي عَامَيْنِ Allah didn't insert the term of husna or ihsana here, even though you would expect it. So there, there's something that we can take note of from that. The main point is the Qur'an is incredibly precise. So as we connect with the Qur'an during this month, during the month of Qur'an, the primary intention for myself and for all of us should be to deepen our relationship with the Qur'an, to deepen our relationship with Allah Azza wa Jal, and to become better people thereof, and to become better Muslims as a result. How do you know if your relationship with the Qur'an is truly fruitful or not? An extreme case of a relationship with the Qur'an not being fruitful at all, it's an extreme case, but it's worth noting, when you look at the example of the Khawarij and the Prophet ﷺ warned the Sahaba about this group of people that would come, the Prophet described them as praying a lot and fasting a lot and reading a lot of Qur'an. But their recitation of the Qur'an would not go past their throats. It would not enter their hearts. It would not polish them internally. It would not affect their character. It, would, it didn't change anything for them. There was the practice which in and of itself is good, but the Prophet is warning us, however many centuries later, to learn from this example of people and to try our best to be different 
Because when you look at the relationship that the Sahaba as a generation, may Allah be pleased with them, the way they approached the Qur'an was slow and steady. Slow and steady wins the race. It would take five or ten ayat, five or ten verses at a time, connect with them, learn them, practice them, and then move on to the next set of five or ten verses. This was the norm. So if somebody were to take seven, eight years, ten years to learn, for example, Surah Al-Baqarah, that, that was normal. What was their primary intention? I want to take this and I want to put it into practice. So how do we know if our relationship with the Qur'an is fruitful? There's the extreme example of cases where it's not fruitful whatsoever. The Khawarij, for those who may not be aware, they went and they caused major problems within the Muslim community, within the Ummah, and they killed a number of companions. And the, the, the one specifically, the one specifically who assassinated Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anh, in the month of Ramadan, thinking he was doing an act that would bring him closer to Allah Azza wa Jal. In his mind, he saw Sayyidina Ali in a horrible way. In his mind, Sayyidina Ali was labeled as an infidel, as a deviant, as a disbeliever, as, which is ironic and really sad because the Prophet himself, والسلام, who the Khawarij they were claiming to follow, he said that Sayyidina Ali is going to be in Jannah. You have this famous list of 10. Sayyidina Ali is clearly on that list in addition to many other beautiful things about him. Many other virtues of Sayyidina Ali. So even though these people were spending a lot of time with prayer, fasting, and Qur'an, ironically and very sadly, they actually became worse people because of it, not better. They became more hard-hearted as opposed to soft-hearted. They became more violent and extreme as opposed to the opposite, as opposed to becoming better people and becoming better Muslims. He thought he was doing a good deed by doing something completely outlandish. Completely outlandish. He thought this was something good. So the, 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 I know it's a very stark example, but the point is for us to take a step back and to just reflect on the intention. This is an internal exercise. No one knows any ex, owes any explanation to anyone else. This is between the servant and the Lord. This is between the person and Allah Azza wa their creator, their maker. What is my intention as I approach this month of Qur'an? So on one hand, you have some who connected with the Qur'an a lot, but ironically became worse people. And then you have the beautiful example of the Sahaba. The more they connected with the Qur'an, the more they became transformed, the more beautiful they became, the more generous they became, radiallahu anhum. So how do you know if your relationship with the Qur'an is fruitful or not? The best sign that we have is through the example of the Prophet ﷺ. Outside of Ramadan, in the other 11 months of the year, he was already the most generous of people. ﷺ. In Ramadan, he became even more generous. He stepped it up a notch. ﷺ. So there was the, the regular level of generosity for the Prophet, and then there was the Ramadan level of generosity of the Prophet ﷺ. How does that connect with Qur'an? In the month of Ramadan, the Prophet ﷺ would spend extra time with Sayyidina Jibreel, focusing on Qur'an, connecting with Qur'an. And as a result of extra time spent, invested with the Qur'an, the Prophet himself ﷺ became even, even more generous. What's interesting, when you look at the example, it's a very stark one, of the Khawarij, they didn't become more generous. 
Take note, the Prophet mentioned that they're going to pray extra and fast extra and read extra Qur'an. He didn't say they're going to be extra generous. Again, there's a lot that's said in the absence of something not being said. In different places in the Qur'an as well as the sunnah of the Prophet So he mentioned a few things about them, but he didn't mention anything related to generosity. Actually, the, there was a time when the Prophet was distributing some zakat. He was distributing some wealth. And a man came to him, والسلام, now imagine who the Prophet is. This is in Medina. This is, so the Prophet, he's the Prophet. The greatest human being ever. And on top of that, he's head of state. So he has a whole lot of power and authority from every angle and direction. And this man comes to him. Mind you, he's Muslim. He comes to the Prophet والسلام, and he tells the Prophet... He says, Ya Muhammad, i'dil. O Muhammad, be just. O Muhammad, fear Allah. Ittaqillah. Subhanallah, look at the audacity. Look at what was his issue. He didn't like how the Prophet was distributing things. So he was upset regarding the Prophet's decision. And he was upset that he didn't get what he thought he should have gotten. And mind you, he didn't put in any effort to, to earn it. He just... Not only that, look at the character, lack thereof actually. He went to, you don't go to the Prophet and address him by name, You don't go to the Prophet and tell him be just. You don't go to the Prophet and tell him to remember Allah, to fear Allah. The audacity. And so the, the, the Prophet responds to him basically, I mean the way that it would be explained nowadays in vernacular, is you better check yourself man, you need to watch out who you're talking to. You need to back up. Whether it was Sayyidina Umar or Sayyidina Khalid who was there, they had very similar personalities. They were there when this happened and they told the Prophet, give me the signal, let me take care of this guy. And the Prophet responds, والسلام, so th this man, he left. The Prophet responds like, you know, woe be unto you if you want to translate it in Shakespeare. Allah trusts me, but you don't trust me. If I'm not going to be just, then who's going to be just? Think about it. Allah, trust the Prophet Allah gave him the amana of delivering the message. So Allah Azza wa Jal, God himself trusts him, but then this man has the arrogance and the audacity to show up and to tell the Prophet, you need to be just and you need... So the Prophet responds like, hey man, like that, that's not okay. This guy leaves. And the, the Prophet, he mentions to the Sahabi that was with him, the Sahabi who wanted to like decapitate the guy because of how incredibly rude and, and disrespectful that was to the Prophet The Prophet, the one who was insulted, responds saying, no, maybe he prays. And then what was the response? But you know, some people, they pray, but they don't really mean it. The Prophet said, I wasn't sent to open people's hearts and chests. So the Prophet himself, والسلام, he drew a red line. I'm not passing that line. That's between him and Allah. And the Prophet mentioned from him, from his ideology, there are going to be these people who they pray extra and fast extra in Quran. And so, so look at the original figure and then the ideology that would come from that type of attitude.
That's what's not to do. What do we want to do as we connect with the Qur'an, as we spend time with it, and whatever, there, there's no right or wrong answer. However, a person feels most comfortable. If it's going through a translation, if it's going through a summary of the Qur'an, if it's connecting with it in, 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 in your mother tongue, a good translation, if it's connecting with it in Arabic, if, it's, if you prefer audible learning as opposed to reading, that's valid. You'll get the same reward by listening as you do from reading. If a person wants to focus on, you know, completing the Qur'an once, twice, five times, however many, maybe somebody else, they want to take one surah, maybe Surah Yusuf as, a, as an example, and they decide that I want to dive really deeply into this specific surah, and that's my Ramadan goal. There's no right or wrong answer, it doesn't have to be only this way or that way, but within the heart of the person, within the heart of each of us to reflect and think, what do I want to get out of this month of Qur'an? We often think of the month of Ramadan as the month of fasting, which it is and which we should. But why did Allah give us this tool of the month of fasting? Allah gave us this tool to empty the stomach and to fill the heart. To empty the stomach through fasting and to fill the heart with Qur'an. So the means is the fasting. The means is the fasting. The goal is the Qur'an. Shahru Ramadan alladhi unzila fihi al-Qur'an. هُدًا لِلنَّاسِ وَبَيِّنَاتِ مِنَ الْهُدَى وَالْفُرْقَانِ فَمَنْ شَهِدَ مِنْكُمُ الشَّهْرَ فَلْيَصُمْهِ It doesn't mean that a person, they, they, they abandon the worship aspect of the fasting, they say, I'm just going to connect with Qur'an. That's not the point. The point is, yes, it, it is a pillar of our deen for sure without question. And for those who have health issues, for those who have special circumstances, that's dealt with on a case-by-case basis. Oftentimes, most relevantly, between them and their physician, whatever they say is best for their health, that's what they have to go with. Because that's the expert in that situation, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ In that situation is the physician, is their primary care physician. If they're telling them, if you do this, you're going to risk your health, you may end up in the hospital, this, that, or the other, that's your fatwa. That's the clarification that's needed. The norm, though, as we know, would be to fast. The idea is to have a balance between the two. And you have a beautiful hadith of the Prophet ﷺ describing the Day of Judgment, that a person, in connection with Ramadan, that a person's fasting will come on that day. And will say that they gave up food and drink and for your sake, Ya Allah. And the Qur'an will come and say that they gave up sleep for your sake, Ya Allah. So you have this balance of fasting in the day and Qur'an at night. Within someone's capacity, it doesn't mean you go through the whole month and you just never sleep. And that's not humanly possible. But if someone can fit in a sliver of time and do it consistently, that's going to be fruitful. And how do you know it's fruitful? If a person gives more charity within their capacity. Subhana rabbika rabbil azati amma yasifun wa salamun ala al-mursalim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil azati. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulullah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in inna allahu wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi ya ayuhal ladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima sallallahu ala muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam I want to also mention an action item that's a sign of the relationship a person's relationship with the Qur'an being fruitful in surah muhammad in surah muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam there's a it's a succinct, it's a succinct ayah. It's not too long of an ayah, but the formula within the ayah is very powerful when, when we think about it and we let it sit in. 
again, it's not just about what, what do we see in the Qur'an, but also what we don't see in different verses at different points in time. Allah says, فَعَلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Know that there is nothing worthy of worship except Allah. Know, لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ فَعَلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ We're talking about fruit, right? If we're watering the roots, we need to see the fruits. And they need to be sweet, not bitter. So there's this whole process that's needed for cultivation. So if a person has a healthy relationship with, with the Qur'an, a sign of that, what should an effect be? They become more charitable. What should an effect be when a person truly knows and understands La ilaha illallah, fa'alam annahu la ilaha illallah, wa staghfir li dhanbik. Walil mu'minina wal mu'minat, wallahu ya'lamu wa takhalabakum wa mathwakum. If a person is truly connected with La ilaha illallah, what is the singular fruit Allah mentions in this ayah to make istighfar for yourself, to ask Allah for forgiveness for yourself, and then after that, the believing community, both the male and female. Let me look internally first. And then after that, the job isn't done. What about community? So when we connect with the Qur'an, the fruit is charity. When we connect with La ilaha illallah, the fruit is istighfar. When you connect with istighfar, then Allah will help you in so many different ways in your life, including financially. When Allah gives you that financial assistance, what should happen as a sign of gratitude to Allah Azza wa Jal, especially in the month of Ramadan? Those who they give in the path of Allah for the sake of Allah. So we don't just want to go through empty rituals. The rituals are important without question. But the ritual has to be connected with the spiritual. Both are needed. And they both have to be intertwined. It's not one without the other. Surat al-Ladheen an'amta alayhim is when you have both of them intertwined. When you only have ritual, maghdubi alayhim. When you only have spiritual, adhalin. So every day we're asking Allah, give us this balance between the ritual and the spiritual, the knowledge and the practice. We ask Allah to make, to make all of us from among them. We ask Allah to help us to connect with the Qur'an and to make this month a beautiful, fruitful month for all of us in general, especially regarding our connection with the book of Allah Azza wa Jal. We ask Allah to help us to connect with our understanding of La ilaha illallah and to make us people of istighfar and people of tawbah and people who try to right their wrongs, not just in general, but ASAP, as soon as possible, whether it's between us and Allah or between us and other people, that's how we should be preparing today. What, what, what do I need to clean? What do I need to purify before I beautify during the month of Ramadan. رَبَّنَا آتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسْنًا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ حَسْنًا وَخِنْ عَذَابِ النَّارِ رَبَّنَا لَا تُؤَاخِذْنَا إِنْ نَسِينَا أَوْ أَخْطَأْنَا رَبَّنَا وَلَا تَحْمِلْ عَلَيْنَا إِسْرًا كَمَا حَمَلْتَهُ وَعَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِنَا رَبَّنَا وَلَا تُحَمِّلْنَا مَا لَا طَاقَةَ لَنَا بِهِ وَاعْفُ عَنَّا وَاغْفِرْ لَنَا وَارْحَمْنَا أَنْتَ مَوْلَانَا فَانْصُرْنَا عَلَى الْقَوْمِ الْكَافِرِينَ وَأَقِمِ